This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Welcome to Dishy Mix. I'm your host, Susan Bratton. And on today's show, you're going to get to meet Sean D'Souza. Sean is uh, the driving force behind a company called Psycho Tactics. And if you're a psycho and you use tactics, I think this could be a really good show for you. <laughs> I, just, I just love the name of your company, Sean. So Psycho Tactics is a company and Sean teaches a lot of things that are in the intersection of psychology and marketing. And he has a lot of different things we could talk about. I could probably have him on Dishy Mix 10 times. He has so much content. His uh, website is psychotactics.com. And he's based in New Zealand. And what caught my eye, my friend Carlos Zuma told me about a product that Sean makes called The Secret Life of Testimonials. Testimonials are so important for my business, and I think they're becoming more and more important for everyone's business, especially in the world of uh, social media and social proof, and what I think is now the obvious need for storytelling in the world of marketing. And so I'm really pleased to introduce you to Sean D'Souza, creator of The Secret Life of Testimonials. Welcome, Sean. Well, great to be on today. It is, yeah. Between your crazy vacation schedule, which I adore and uh, desire, and uh, everything, it's we've been working on this for quite a while to get you on the show. So I'm glad you're here. So that's right. Let's start with the very first question, which is: You have a formula for creating great testimonials. What is it, and how did you arrive at this particular set of questions that you recommend? Formula for a very simple reason. The reason is that. If you don't follow a formula, then there are things that you can drop out. So you have a kind of checklist. So the the formula is very simple. Um, of course, it's it's there in the in the book in the brain audit. But it starts off with um, what was the obstacle that would have prevented you from buying this product or service? Then, as a result of buying the product or service, what did you find? Then, which specific feature did you like most about the product or service? Uh, then what are the three other benefits about this product or service? Would you recommend this product or service? If so, why? And anything that you would like to add? Now, the reason why you have so many of these questions is it really gets the client to open up. So if you were to ask these six questions to clients, they start to speak for as long as 10 minutes. Now, a person speaks at about three words a second. So you do the calculation. You've got like two pages of testimonials. And people say, well, do I need such a long testimonial? Yes and no. I mean, when you see 200 testimonials that go two pages long, you know, there's no discussion anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. So so that's it. So the the questions were so that people don't get it wrong because they tend to leave stuff out. But the questions are a sequence. They tell a story. What What was before? What was after? What did you really like? It's kind of the stuff that we do every single day. Yeah, it's really brilliant. You've boiled it down to the things that really help a person get in touch with the emotional decisions they made to buy your product or service. And uh, and then you capture that, and that's the zestiness of the testimonials that are created. So I love what you're doing. Now, next question is, I've been talking a lot in uh, my presentation, Conversion Triggers, 
about this notion of structured communication. And 30 years of marketing, Sean, and it just dawned on me that that... (laughs) I mean, I've always known about the sales funnel, and I guess in a way that's structured communications, but I'm really delving into how you need to take a customer through a sequence of emotions to make a buying decision. And I want to know if there's a place within the conversion funnel or the structured communications that testimonials are best placed. Is there a certain point at which it's time to tell the story about how other people had success with your product or service? No, I, no and yes. Let me, say, let me qualify that. No, because there is no best place. At every stage, the testimonial is telling a story. So, for instance, if you have a testimonial at the point of conversion or the point of attraction, so what I do is I break up a, a customer sequence into attraction, conversion, and consumption. And attraction is where you get attracted towards the product. Conversion is where you buy it. And consumption is where you start to use the product. Now, in all situations, you're going to need testimonials or something equivalent to testimonials because you still want them to be attracted to the product. You still want them to buy the product. And then once they bought your product or service, you want them to use it. So it's not any specific point. What the testimonials are doing is they're saying, hey, look, I did this stuff. You can do this stuff too. That's what it's really doing. It's giving It's pumping that emotion, pumping that logic into the next person. It's transferring that that power to the next person. And that's really why testimonials need to be pretty much everywhere. Put them everywhere. So are there any things that make a testimonial unbelievable that don't transfer that power? And are there any mistakes made in organizing testimonials that we should avoid? The testimonials for the most part, can be believable. There are testimonials that go over the top. And one of the things that I talk about is a reverse testimonial. A reverse testimonial is uh, the before and after. And you see this a lot on, on TV. You know, They show you before and after. Some of the best advertising has been a before and after. And that is because people are skeptical. You know, It's very easy to get a testimonial. You just write to a client. They write back and they say, write whatever you want in the testimonial. But the before and after experience makes it so powerful. So you're actually, when you start off a testimonial with something that's uh, skeptical, that's when the brain is focused. So to give you an example, you know, a customer wrote, uh, just before I attended your workshop, I was ready to unsubscribe from your list. Now that stops you in your tracks because it's like, wait a second, this this isn't talking about how great your workshop is. It's about how you're going to unsubscribe from the list. So it's unfolding that story. And and an unbelievable testimonial uh, is the testimony that you kind of see a lot, which is, you know, your product is so beautiful. It's so wonderful. They work, but they don't work as effectively. So testimonials are one kind of social proof and they are probably, I would say without pause, the best kind of social proof. There are other kinds of social proof we see out in the marketplace, like Facebook likes or people retweeting things. Uh, Those are methods of social proof. A product review or whatever it is, you know, where you get to give the stars. That's another testimonial. Are there a lot of kinds of testimonials and even more coming out now with new technologies like Facebook and Twitter and other social things? 
I think <laughs> the funny thing is, I think you covered most of them. Okay. Um, you know, in in a in a way, putting the stars, putting the likes, putting all of those things, they're all proof that someone else likes it. And and yes, some kind of social proof is is okay. Uh, some kind of social proof is just you know is more powerful than the other. So. Again, the skepticism in the testimonial is better than just um, the like. That's the, the way I look at it is anyone can click a like button. It's like a maybe button. That's something that I would start to – because that's what we're looking for, especially when we're buying something. And even if you're buying like a 99-cent app on the App Store, you're looking for the people that say, you know, I really, I really thought this app was not so great. Um, but here's what I found. And I think the maybe button is missing, really. So there's a lot of like stuff. The maybe there, but... button is, is missing. That's true, isn't it? Well, and I think it's true also. And I've heard this from many people. I first heard it from my buddy who started Bizarre Voice because they drive a lot of those recommendation engine kinds of things. And they say that it's better to have a mix of good and bad testimonials or endorsements or product reviews because if they're all really positive, then people tend not to trust that any of the reviews are valuable. Do you find that as well? Not really. I mean, it's, you know, at one point for the brain audit, we had 800 testimonials. I mean, they were all mostly good. Um, it's very hard to argue with just enormous proof. But having someone there who's ranting and raving is really good because usually what happens is that ranting and raving person uses uh, what I would say crappy language. They don't spell stuff right. Uh, they don't put, and so they, they kind of um, expose themselves as, you know, they haven't read the book, they haven't read the, or they haven't tried the product. So they kind of expose themselves. That's one kind of person. And the other kind of person is someone who um, is genuinely upset with the product or service and, and gives their opinion. So it, it creates that credibility factor. So they're all very important it's actually, after a while, tricky to get the negative testimonials than the positive ones, especially if you have a great product. Should you ever fix spelling, grammar, punctuation, or clarity within a testimonial, or do you always leave them completely unedited? Because sometimes I've gotten testimonials that are glowing, but nearly unreadable. Absolutely. What you're doing is you're not rewriting the testimony, but spellings, grammar, punctuation. This is packaging, and it's like, you know, you take the same meal and you just throw it on a plate well, it might be tasty, but I'm not going to eat it. And spelling, bad spelling, bad grammar, bad punctuation, they seek to distract. The customer's trying to read a message. It's just like an article. If you wrote an article, why would you use bad spelling, grammar, or punctuation? So if you want to make the testimonial uh, devoid of distraction, yes, you have to fix these things. I'm not saying rewrite the testimonial. You can even move stuff around. So you can move, you know, if the client gave you three paragraphs and the third paragraph is more effective, you move it right to the top, but you're not changing the whole thing. You're just changing the sequence. And, and that's just drama. That's, yeah, that's another thing altogether. But I, I thought I'd bring that up. Good. So thank you for the permission to do that. So is there, um, are there different kinds of testimonials and do some work better than others or is it case by case? Like I'm thinking there's audio testimonials, there's video testimonials, there are written testimonials. Did I miss anything? And what do you have to say about the different modalities? 
the it depends on the person. Some people just don't listen to audio. Some people don't watch a video. It's it's amazing for all of us that will watch audio, video, and read something. But there are people that will just completely avoid video or audio. And so having the video or audio is great, but you have to have the text as well. So the the point is that it's to me. I think the written form is the safest form because someone will read. Uh, the way our brain works is we tend to scan through stuff. And so we'll start to read at least the subheadlines in a testimonial. Now, on psychotactics, we can have testimonials that are, I don't know, 500 words long. And people will read all the subheadlines and then lock into a paragraph. Um, sometimes you'll have testimonials that are just 100 words or 50 words, but people will still scan and, and lock into stuff. In audio and video, that's not possible. But that isn't to say that audio and video isn't effective. It's very effective. And having all three is very critical. Now, the best part about video is that you, the, if you shoot video, that's probably the best way to go about it. Because when you shoot video, you can then strip out the audio from it, and then you can transcribe that video into text, and then you've got everything. Yeah, you start with good source material. And you can yeah. go from there. Yeah. All right. So go up to a 10,000 foot level for us here. We've been talking about, you know, some of the tactics and some of the structures and things. Let's talk about it at a system level. How can we as marketers put in place some kind of a system, a net that will effortlessly deliver a steady stream of quality testimonials with hardly any work on our part? <laughs> Does it sound like I wrote a... Doesn't it sound like I wrote, I wrote the, <laughs> the headline for the Secret Life of Testimonials page? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> here's, here's, the, here's the answer. The answer is Yay. that it's very simple. Um, usually after 30 days or something, all you have to do is set up an autoresponder or an autoresponse. For people that don't know what this is, it's just something that goes out to the client. So they bought it. They bought it with a specific email address, and you're going to follow up 30 days or 60 days later with those bunch of questions. Now, if you're doing this offline, obviously, you've got to have someone who keeps a tab um, and then calls up the client 30 or 60 days later for their for their testimonial. Automatically, yes, you can only do it through through software and it goes out there and the client responds and it's that simple. Having the questions are very important though because the questions enable the client to follow a structure. If you just say, give me a testimonial, then it's very easy to put it off because it's like, what am I going to write now? I have no idea where to start. You know, People have a problem, have putting stuff down on paper. And so th to me, the most ideal system is to have uh, an email that says, can I call you and speak to you for five minutes? Because in five minutes, people will write 600 words uh, or I'll speak 600 words of, of, of text that you can use. But if you don't have the time to do that, then an autoresponder is the next best thing. Oh, brilliant. So you just call people up and record what they say and transcribe it and that's your testimonial cleaned up. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. Yep. Uh, I've seen people also have like a little uh, call-in number. People can call and leave a message. 
But I don't think it's as good as if you interview them. No, it's not. I mean, at the end of the day, we're so happy with all this internet technology that we think everything can be done automatically. But people Mm -hmm. still want to be treated like people. They don't want to be treated like numbers. Absolutely. That's the beauty of Dishy Mix. Yeah, it's just have respect. You know, just as you would expect someone to have respect for you, you need to have respect for the other person. If if you're going to say, hey, here's a lackey, you go and, you know, speak to the client. The client will will oblige, but they won't be happy. And and I think that once you've got good clients and good results, then you need to keep that client because that client will drive enormous business to your your uh, product or service and tell a lot of people. So in a way, it's like reaching out and taking the client for lunch. That's how good this testimonial thing is because. Not only are they saying good things about you, but they're reinforcing it for themselves. So that means now they're going to tell others. It's kind of when you watch a good movie. You know, you watch a good movie, and when someone says, how is the movie? And then when you start to reinforce that, you think, wow, that was a really good movie. So it's, it's not just you getting a testimonial. It's also the client reinforcing that they made a good decision, which is you know, leads to further sales down the track, further referrals. So just at, treating them like numbers is s- stupid on, 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 the client, on your part, if, if that's what you do. I love it. Thank you for reminding us of our humanity. What do you do when you have a new product and you don't have any testimonials yet? Uh, this is always a tricky question, but here's the point. People are less interested about your product and they're more interested in you. So if you've got a new product now, the, the, you still have people who, A, know you from some kind of interaction. And if you can get people to write about who you are as a person. So, you know, I used to be a cartoonist. I got into marketing. Well, the only testimonials I ever had were about cartoons. But in those testimonials, there were, you know, little little things about dependability, about friendliness, about whatever. And often when we launch a new product, and this is this is true for anyone, when they launch a new product or a new service, you know, you can kind of go out there and go to a forum and ask people to review your stuff, or you can go out and ask some some previous clients to review your products or services. But if you know even if they don't um, you can always depend on, say, something that you sold in the past. So what I'm saying to here is that your past, uh, your past track record is very important. And really, people are looking for dependability, friendliness, uh, how you respond. Those are the kinds of things that they're looking for at the first level. And you may think, well, what's that got to do with the product? It's got everything to do with the product. That's how you can get started. Uh, another way is, you know, you have systems like LinkedIn. People, if you're on LinkedIn, you can get people to recommend you. I've got about 50 or 60 people who've recommended me. I can take some of those things and put in onto a testimonial page. It doesn't have to have any relation to the product. But if you have a product or a service, you can find people who are interested in it. They will give you a review. And if you've got just three or four testimonials, that's a whole lot better than nothing. Yeah, it's funny too, because when I hit you up to come on Dishy Mix, you listened to a couple of episodes and you sent me a really nice email. And I said, hey, could you go post that really nice testimonial on my Dishy Mix 
fan page. <laughs> and yeah. then recently I was talking to Ariel Ford and uh, she went to look at the video presentation. Our, we have a new video presentation for our newest product, which is called Revive Her Drive. And um, she emailed me and she's like, oh my God, I think that's the best video presentation I've ever seen. I said, uh, could you write that on the video presentation page on the Facebook post? <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, just snagging them when they come up in your email. I mean, I think you got a lot of stuff in email that are also really usable. So next question, what can a marketer do if their customers want to retain their confidentiality and are, you know, don't want to say who they are? How can you wind your way through that and still get a testimonial that's usable and believable, even if the person doesn't divulge their name? Again, it's the same thing. You know, the, as I said before, people are not necessarily looking for names and places and where you come from. They're very important, of course, but in certain conditions, um, say maybe you're an accountant, maybe you're a lawyer, maybe the law doesn't allow you to do that. Well, you know, it doesn't allow you to put in clients' names and details. Uh, so that's one situation, which is exactly the same way, same uh, or the flip side of clients not wanting their their details there. So in effect, the testimonial has now become cloaked. It It becomes almost like invalid, but it's not invalid. What's really happening is you're asking a before, you're asking a after, you're asking the experience. In that process, customers are going to come up with, uh, I hate to use the word keywords, but they're going to come up with words or keywords or information or technical language or something. And when you start to look at that testimonial as a customer, you know exactly this person knows what they're talking about. So so supposing you asked me about, say, InDesign CS 5.5, well, I would come up with specific information that would reveal that I knew what I was talking about. And so that's the only way to do it, to to have a, a before-after situation and to have that technical jargon, as it were, within that piece so that the reader knows, yep, this person's in the industry, they know what they're talking about, I'm fine with it, even though there's no name and stuff like that. Makes sense. Asking those six questions up front that you started the whole uh, interview off with are what will render the content of the testimonial so valuable to your prospect that it doesn't really matter from whom it came. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say it doesn't matter. Uh, everything matters. You know, the photograph matters. The Everything matters. But in conditions where you cannot then have the technical jargon, that's very important. A couple of years ago, I watched Robert, Dr. Robert Cialdini, whom I've had on Dishy Mix. He wrote a seminal book called Persuasion and Influence. I watched him keynote the Affiliate Summit. And one of the things that he showed was that testimonials and the kind of testimonials that I'm talking about here are, and you know what, Sean, you probably know exactly what these are called. And so fill me in here, but you know how you have the logos of the uh, media outlets that you've been on. And, um, you know, so as seen on, as seen in this, as seen on that, you know, those kinds of logos of media outlets on a web page. And Bob was saying that if they're on the right hand side, and they're grayed out, they don't even need to be in color, they gray tests as well or better for conversion optimization on a web page when you're using those media logos, because everyone knows what they are. So they don't even need to be in color. They just need to be there. And like one of the things a customer checks off when they're going through their objection raising and objection handling, you know, sequence. So 
do testimonials perform most effectively? Have you done any eye tracking or mouse tracking like Clicktails research on the most effective placement of testimonials on web pages? No, we haven't, but we put testimonials. See, the point is that testimonials are stories. And if you're selling something, then the customer is always ready to read a story in between all all of your logic. So you've got all this logic flowing in. This is a great book or this is a great product or whatever, blah, 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 blah. It's very interesting, but, you know, the the customer is always ready to read a story. And that's why when you go to Amazon, you kind of flick through the top of the book, you know, the, the top section, and then you go straight into the testimonials. The reason why is because the testimonials are, they are the giveaways, they are the stories. And so if you have your regular sales page on a website, then, you know, we're putting the stories here, there, and everywhere. So they're not only um, telling the story about the product, the experience about the product or service, but they're also breaking up this huge waterfall of text that you seem to see on a lot of sales pages. Um, the same thing applies to whether you're making a presentation or whatever. As soon as you get in a customer's case study, boof, the audience's attention goes up. So it's it's a very effective tool. Um, and um, no, we haven't done any testing, but every single one of our courses are full and every single workshop is full. And I think that's a good testimonial in itself. I mean, uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. And so you were talking about stories and using them every which way. We talked about asking for testimonials in an autoresponder, but what about using testimonials within your email autoresponder series most effectively? When a prospect comes to your website and they, you know, they download something for free or they sign up to get something and they're now in an autoresponder series, is there any particular time that's most valuable for testimonials? And how, what's, what are best practices for testimonials in autoresponders? Well, in autoresponders, I would say that testimonials need to tell, they need to be less salesy and more uh, giving me an insight into how to use whatever you're giving me. So supposing it's say, you know, how to write a headline, then the testimonial may, may talk about how the case study of this, say, John Smith and how John Smith used a specific thing to improve his headlines and what was, uh, what uh, his results were. And that then gets me to think, oh, so John Smith used it, maybe I should use it. So that's a different kind of testimonial. It's still talking about the power of that that product or service, but it's doing so in a way that enables me to consume it, which is what I talked about earlier, the consumption part of things. Okay. And do you think it's always good to have a lot of uh, like a smattering of testimonials throughout a whole, you know, if you're sending out an autoresponder every day or a couple times a week, can you just keep like, oh, here's a new story from a new customer, and here's another story. And, you know, is that always good to just keep those flowing? Uh, no, I think it would be too much. I, it, it seems like you're trying too hard. Um, there are, there's a difference between editorial and sales. And if you're selling, people expect testimonials. If you have editorial, they're looking at case studies that would help them. Um, and you have to know the difference. I mean, when we go on, get onto a sales page, we know immediately this is a sales page. When we get onto editorial, we know immediately this is editorial. And we don't like to be fooled. And so you might think, well, we could get away with it. I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. So that leads me into the next question, which is that customer stories seem more powerful, that testimonials can sometimes 
feel fake or marketing oriented. So how do you use stories versus testimonials? And how would you typify a story versus a testimonial? And where would you use them? So a story is very simple. A testimonial is just random. It's like, uh, give me a testimonial for this product or service. Well, uh, what am I going to say? I'm going to just say, oh, that was a great product, great service. There's nothing to it. There's just a bunch of words that might by fluke be interesting. But a story, it has a sequence. A story has a, a it, before, it has an after, it has ups and downs, it has frustration, it has emotion. That's a story. And when you ask enough questions, what happens is a client warms up. So somewhere in the middle of your questioning, uh, if you're especially if you're doing it on the phone, uh, somewhere you know four or five minutes into it, they start to really speak about stuff and say, you know, my wife was really ill. I couldn't afford to spend this two thousand dollars, and then they start to tell the story about that illness, and you think, what has this got to do with the product? And it's got everything to do with the product. The emotion, that whole roller coaster, up, down, back, front, that's what causes the story to come alive. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of words on paper. You know, it's funny that you talk about the up and down. Um, have you read Resonate by Nancy Duarte? Uh, yes, I have. And uh, I sent her a cartoon about the roller coaster. And she said, I wish I thought of roller coaster as my thing. That's so um, funny. Yeah, because it, yeah. she calls it the spark line. And Correct. that's what you're really talking about, which is, you know, here's how bad it is. Here's how great it can be. Here's how bad Correct. it is. Here's how great it could be. Here's how bad it is. Here's how great it could be. Storytelling, it's exactly like the roller coaster. So there's flats, ups and downs. And you have to control that flat up and down. So it's not just up and down. Up and down is too disconcerting. There's also flat areas. So where, you know, nothing's happening. And that just gives the person a breather that gives the reader, you know, it's not this base, this continuous in your face kind of stuff or not all down, which is, you know, oh, it's just, so I, I qualify that as a problem and the solution, but there's also the in between. So that's important as well. Just the, the important thing is to have the flat as well, because that creates, that's one more part of that whole sequence. I love it. And do you have anything that you've written on uh, or that you'd recommend on uh, the components of great stories or writing great stories or anything like that? Uh, yes, now that you mentioned it, uh, there is there is a book that we'll probably be releasing on. Uh, there, it's a two-part thing on stories. One is on just how to tell a great story, and the second is signature stories, which is uh, what we use often on our on our website, and we've trained clients to do. So, for instance, we have this uh, seven red bags, which we sell the brain audit, and you know you tell that story once, just once. And people never forget it for the rest of their lives. So how do you tell that great signature story? Uh, so there are stories and there, there are signature stories. And yes, there will be a product sooner or later. It's, it's all been done. It's just not for, released yet. All right. Will you let point. us know when it's released? And why don't you come back on the show and talk about that? I will. Okay, I will. beautiful. So I want to go back to trustworthiness because social proof helps trustworthiness. Testimonials are a part of social proof. What are some other things that you recommend to marketers that are trying to create a solid aura of trustworthiness about their brand that other marketers can employ to underscore trust with their customers and prospects? I would 
There are lots of things that, because when you think about it, you, first you don't have to think of trust. You have to think of risk. So when you oh, start, really? to, all right, tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, because when you look at something, you're looking at a product that you're going to buy, um, even say it's a Mac and, you know, there's lots of publicity about a Mac and everyone thinks it's great and everyone wants to buy it, but there is a risk and that risk needs to be handled. So when you're buying, you're going from PC to Mac, the first thing is, well, I've got 700 products, so 700 programs on my PC. How am I going to move to the Mac? Do I have to buy all of them again? So... The testimonial then needs to take on that objection and because that's the risk and, and that's really what people are looking to, to reduce or uh, completely eliminate. So it doesn't matter what you have, whether you have a photograph. So, for instance, my wife bought uh, some kind of stuff, bathroom cleaner or whatever, and there was a photograph of this woman uh, who said, you know, she, she went through the before, after, whatever. But the photograph was of this woman who had hair over her face. She looked like she'd just been cleaning the house for seven hours. And my wife looked at that photograph and said, you know, I bought it because of that photograph. She looks really hassled. And so when you look at testimonials, you might say, well, there's only words, but pictures tell a story as well. So just looking at that one picture of that woman, my wife made a decision to buy maybe just a $7 product, but it's still, you know, seven to 10,000 people buying that product based on that one photograph. And in certain cases, the photograph, um, uh, you know, might be um, a completely different photo. To me, at least, and as, as I said, there are lots of ways to, to get social proof, but to me, photographs are like mirrors. So when a person looks at your website, when they look at your product, they're looking at a photograph and they're saying, that's me. And that's what we do in real life. That's how we pick our friends and stuff. There are thousands and millions of people, but we look at someone and we say, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. And so we're always looking at faces. And so photographs are a way to do it. But critically, you have to think of risk and you say, well, I'm going to sell this product. What is the risk? And then everything that you do that reduces or eliminates that risk then creates trustworthiness. Thank you for that. Uh, that is something that I never thought about. It makes complete sense and was a really nice epiphany for me. I appreciate that. All right. So uh, I know you have a special giveaway. You're going to give The Secret Life of Testimonials to one of my Dishy Mix fans. And I want to let you know that you can get Sean D'Souza's product from me for free if you're the lucky recipient uh, by going to the Dishy Mix fan page on Facebook. Post your desire. Sean and I will pick our favorite request and we'll give you a copy of The Secret Life of Testimonials. For the rest of you who are too lazy to go post on my Facebook fan page and get it for free and you want to buy it, Sean, tell people how they can come to you and purchase this product, this this uh, information product. Well, you can get to psychotactics.com and uh, there is the products page and you can start to see products under 50 and that's where it is. Uh, our products are quite expensive. Uh, they're very good. That's why they're expensive. Uh, but this one is under $50. So you'll find it under the under 50 section. Um, however, if you still want to just check us out, uh, you can go to the front page and there's a headline product, how to write your headlines uh, or why headlines fail. And that's absolutely free. So you don't have to buy anything. Have a look through everything. Reduce your, your uh, risk factor and, and you'll find out for yourself how good the products are. 
I want every single thing you make, Sean D'Souza. I am in love with you right now. I think your stuff is super cool. And you mentioned the brain audit, and we didn't really want to go into that here at the show. But just as a final wrap up, why don't you explain to us what brain audit is? Well, the brain audit is how customers think and, and, and uh, you know, why they buy and why they don't. And essentially, what most of us have been trained to do is we, we've been trained to persuade. And you don't have to really persuade. You have to, when you give people information in a specific sequence and the sequence that they're expecting, then they automatically start to respond in that way. So it's a very simple and very powerful system that has been tested like in pretty much any country on the planet that you can think of. I mean, way back in 2004, we had 800 testimonials for the brain audit alone. So that list has increased. And uh, uh, you'll find that once you read the brain audit, it's like, duh, why didn't I think of this before? But you'll find out for yourself. Now, is the brain audit a book or an, an information product or, or what? I'm a little confused about it, and I, I apologize. It is a book. It's an information product, so you can get it on Amazon. But you, you know, on, the, on our website, it's far more expensive than Amazon. And uh, there you get totally different stuff. You get audio and video and, and additional stuff, which you don't get on Amazon. So you can get it either way. You can get it straight off Amazon, or you can uh, get to our website, and then there's a whole different level of uh, of information out there and it's kind of it's more in depth and I, I think it's worth it and most of our readers eventually they buy the amazon and the stuff on the website so that's how it goes okay so the book is whatever it costs for a book 20 bucks or something on amazon but it's about a hundred and it's about a little over a hundred dollars for the brain audit on your website Correct. All right. So it's not, I mean, it's still an inexpensive product from a marketer's perspective. If, if something helps us <laughs> close it one more sale, it's easy to justify a $100 product. Got it. Okay, good. So it's totally reasonable. You should just go buy the brain audit from Psychotactics. Tell us what's in that too. Well, again, it follows the system. I'm very much system driven and it, it follows the system of how the customer thinks. So it talks about the seven red bags and essentially it's like uh, putting seven red bags on a flight and then you get off on the other side. And what happens if you leave one bag behind? The point is you don't leave the airport, you know, so. It shows you why every one of those seven red bags are important and testimonials are one of those bags. So. The brain audit is like the it it shows you which bag comes first, which comes second, why we've been going about it the wrong way for all of these years, how the brain operates. It's a very interesting book. It's got like ninety nine cartoons in it. It's got a butter chicken recipe. It's fun to read. Uh, what can I say? You just have a have a look at <laughs> what it is, and you will think, why don't they write other marketing books like this that are one so easy to read? be so easy to implement. That's the whole point. I mean, it's it's fine reading another marketing book, but this one's about implementation and system. And you can and that's the whole point. It's about an audit. You can go back to your stuff and say, "Oh, that's where I got it wrong." It's not just some more information. It's an audit. You can actually go there and find out what you did wrong and fix it. Oh my God, if I go back and look at what I did wrong, I'd probably be so depressed. I'd have to eat a whole gallon of butter chicken. <laughs> That's what the <laughs> recipe's for. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
when you get so depressed because you screwed up the whole funnel. <laughs> well, good for you. I love it. Now, my last and final question. You're you live in Auckland, New Zealand. How have the earthquakes been? Are you good? Is your house okay? How's everything there these days? Yeah, the, uh, New Zealand's a very big place, despite what everybody thinks. Oh, no, I know it's a big place, but I, I don't know if you were affected. No, we are not. We're okay. on the North Island. That was on the South Island. Okay. Um, that's my stupidity, and I apologize. But uh, oh no, it's, it's we, we have a lot it's, of friends. It's, we're, who got we're not here. we're not really on the map anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you trip around the globe anyway. So, Sean, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're my kind of guy, man. I loved your secret life of testimonials. I knew everybody who was a Dishy Mix listener would really enjoy it. You clearly know what you're doing. The brain audit sounds super cool too, and uh, I hope to have you back on the show sometime soon. Well, thank you for having me on. And yeah, it was great speaking to you. Yeah, thank you so much. I know I prepared really well for you, didn't I? Yes, you did. I had my questions ready, didn't I? And I wouldn't be impressed if you didn't. Oh, <laughs> thank you. All right, I'm your host, Susan Bratton. You got to meet Sean D'Souza. His domain is Psychotactics. And uh, you can check out uh, The Secret Life of Testimonials and The Brain Audit there, as well as a lot of his other great stuff. And damn, that man has a lot of testimonials. So there you go. You'll see a, a working model of how to use testimonials just by going to psychotactics.com. Have a great day. I hope you'll tune in next week, and I hope you love the show today. Take care. Bye-bye. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com. 